Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Good morning, faithful listeners. I hope you had a fantastic weekend, a lovely Sunday, and that the weather was great for you. Our weather was like really fantastic all of last week. It was so beautiful. It was 70 degrees pretty much the entire time with so much gorgeous sunlight. But this week, it is apparently potentially supposed to snow again. (laughs) I live in a very strange area where it's beautiful. It's beautiful where I live. But I live in a very strange area where spring doesn't really happen. (laughs) It kind of happens. It's like a false spring. Spring doesn't actually happen. We kind of skip over spring, it feels like, and just sort of move directly into summer. And our summers here are insanely hot. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Okay, but let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 1 through 18. Depending on what version you read out of, which I'll be reading out of the W.E.B., This might be kind of an awkward place to stop because in certain versions, verse 18 and verse 19 are the same sentence, but I am going to stop on verse 18 because I do think it's, it's one of the better places to stop in this particular chapter. So I'll be stopping there, but as always, make sure to grab the uh, version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of. And don't forget guys, if you would like to support P40 Ministries, which is the ministry that supports this podcast and you would like to help the podcast to grow or to run, then consider grabbing yourself one of the Lion of Judah t-shirts or any of the other t-shirts in the t-shirt shop. I have all of that linked in the description of this podcast episode. You can also grab a bumper sticker pack, which by the way, I'm doing a giveaway for those. So go over to Facebook and enter the giveaway. You'll be able to win a bumper sticker pack and a handwritten note from me. But all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into scripture. Once again, this is Deuteronomy 29, 1 through 18. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. These are the words of the covenant which Yahweh commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, in addition to the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Moses called to all of Israel and said to them, Your eyes have seen all that Yahweh did in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all of his servants and to all his land the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs, and those great wonders. But Yahweh has not given you a heart to know, eyes to see, and ears to hear to this day. I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not grown old on you, and your sandals have not grown old on your feet. You have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, that you may know that I am Yahweh your God. When you came to this place, Sihon the king of Heshbon and Og the king of Bashan came out against us to battle, and we struck them. We took their land and gave it for an inheritance to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of the Manassites. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. All of you stand today in the presence of Yahweh your God, your heads, your tribes, your elders, your officers, and even all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the foreigners who are in the middle of your camps, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant that Yahweh your God and into his oath, which Yahweh your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as his people and that he may be your God, as he spoke to you and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Neither do I make this covenant and this oath with you only, 
but with those who stand here with us today before Yahweh our God, and also with those who are not here with us today. For you know how we lived in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the middle of the nations through which you passed. And you have seen their abominations, and their idols of wood, stone, silver, and gold, which were among them. Lest there should be among you man, woman, family, or tribe, whose heart turns away today from Yahweh our God, to go and serve the gods of those nations, lest there should be among you a root that produces bitter poison. This is the second covenant God is now making with his people. The first one was in Horeb, and we talked about that one a while back. And that one was with the first generation of Israelites. Now, don't forget that Moses is talking to the second generation of Israelites, like the children, basically, that have grown up. But the children would still have been old enough to remember and to understand things that happened in the land of Egypt, where God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. These children would have remembered because it had only been 40 years prior, and people don't forget that easily. So these children grew up seeing God's miracles, remembering God's miracles, and even Moses reminds them of some of the miracles that they experienced, which I'll talk about here in a second. But my original point was that this is the second covenant that God is making with his people. The first one was in Horeb with the first generation, and now this one is happening in the land of Moab to the second generation of Israelites. And this actually says, this is in addition to the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. So God really, really wants the Israelite people to be his, that he's willing to go to the length of making two covenant promises with them so that none of the Israelites will forget any of this. So Moses called together all of Israel and he gave them this covenant promise. And he reminds all the people, he says, you remember all that you've seen Yahweh do in the land of Egypt to the Pharaoh and to all of the Pharaoh's servants and to all of his land. You saw all these great trials. You saw the signs. You saw the wonders. You saw the plagues. You saw everything. But Yahweh has not given you a heart to know, eyes to see, ears to hear to this day. We just talked about this actually on uh, Thursday. We discussed God hardening people's hearts which is extremely interesting to me because this has come up three times now (laughs) Uh, since Thursday. This is the third time. And over the weekend, I read something super interesting, actually, in the book of Amos. And I don't often read the little prophets, but I happened to just flip open my Bible and I saw Amos. And I was like, all right, I'll read Amos. This is interesting. I've never really sat down and like delved into the book of Amos before. And so Amos chapter five really stuck out to me because it was talking about how God is literally irritated with the Israelites, you know, doing their feasts and their Sabbath day of rest. He's like irritated with them. He's irritated with their hymns, everything, because they're so insincere. Now, of course, the book of Amos was written hundreds of years after the Israelites were in the wilderness. But here's what Amos chapter 5, verses 25 and 26 says, and I'm reading this out of the NLT version. And this is God speaking through Amos to the people. And here's what it, here's what it says. 
Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? No, you served your pagan gods, Sakuth your king god, and Kauaian, your star god, the images you made for yourselves. So Israel worshipped other gods. Like, we, we know that because they had... <laughs> They had actually worshipped like the calf, like the golden calf. And uh, for a while there, they were worshipping like some Moabite god. And obviously God was unhappy with that. But during the entire 40 years in the wilderness, Israel was not sacrificing anything to God. They were breaking the covenant basically while they were in the covenant, like right in the middle of the covenant being made. Like when it should have been the freshest, Israel was still breaking it. They were worshiping these other gods. You served your pagan gods. So they weren't bringing any sacrifices and offerings to Yahweh during the 40 years in the wilderness, but they carried around their pagan gods, Sakuth and Kaiwan, Kaiwan, Kauaian, no, Kaiwan, <laughs> the star god. Images you made for yourselves. So Israel was in deep denial of God, even in the 40 years in the wilderness. And even if... Even if the Israelites made these images after they were out of the 40 years in the wilderness, they still didn't sacrifice to God. They still didn't worship God in the wilderness. They didn't do anything to uphold their end of the bargain of the covenant while they were in the wilderness. They did nothing. So, yes, the Israelites had hard hearts towards God, even the children had hard hearts towards God. They all did. They all had hard hearts. But yet God is so gracious and loving that he gives them a second covenant. We see here, going back to Deuteronomy 29, he gives them a second covenant and he's still willing to make them his people, even though they're not upholding their end of the covenant promise with the sacrifices and everything like that. And so verse four, but Yahweh has not given you a heart to know, eyes to see and ears to hear to this day. That's what Moses says to the people. And we already discovered, if you haven't listened to Thursday's episode, I, I absolutely recommend going back and doing that because it's extremely linked and tied to today's episode. Why God hardens people's hearts. And is it the fault of the person or is it the fault of God? Like, does God just purposefully harden somebody's heart so that they can never get into heaven? And I talked about all that on Thursday. But regardless, the people already had hard hearts. Then in verse 5 of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 29, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not grown old on you and your sandals have not grown old on your feet. In other words, the people like had clothing this entire time. This was a miracle that isn't really discussed. But the people's clothes didn't grow old. And I don't know how they got new clothes like as the children grew up, but maybe they just recycled clothing. Like maybe the children as they grew up got their parents old clothing and it was like perfectly brand new practically. And the sandals also didn't grow old. I mean, they were walking around the wilderness for 40 years and their sandals didn't wear out. Like I wear my sneakers for a year and they're terrible. <laughs> After I'm done, my husband is even worse because he walks way more than I do for like his job. And he has like holes in the bottom of his soles, like after like six months of use. 
the Israelites, though, walking around for 40 years, their sandals didn't grow old. Then in verse six, you have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine nor strong drink, that you may know that I am Yahweh your God. So in other words, what, what God is saying there is that the people were sustained. They were sustained. They had everything they needed. They didn't eat bread, but they had manna. They didn't have alcoholic beverages, but they had water from the rock. They were sustained, even though they didn't have the, the typical pleasures of life, I suppose, bread and wine. They still were sustained in the wilderness completely. God took care of every need that they had. So then it says, when you came to this place, Sihon, the king of Heshbon and Og, the king of Bashan came out against us to battle and we struck them. That's another miracle. You know, these two very powerful kings came out against Israel and Israel won. Israel defeated them and not only defeated them, but took much of that land and was able to give it to two and a half tribes. They were able to give it to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of the Manassites. So Moses reminds the people of all of these different things that God did to uphold his side of the covenant, such as protecting Israel, uh, providing for Israel with their food and beverages and clothing, and also freeing them from captivity. And so he reminds the Israelites, like, look what God did for you. So now you do your part, uphold the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Like, that's all it takes. Do the covenant, uphold your end of the bargain. Everybody, your little ones, your wives, your foreigners, your officers, the men of Israel, the tribes, the elders, every, everybody needs to uphold this covenant so that he may establish you today as his people, verse 13, and that he may be your God as he spoke to you and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I mean, God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would be the, the God of their children. That's a really beautiful promise. I mean, imagine God telling you that your children would be protected under him. Like, that's a beautiful promise. And God was fulfilling all of that. He was keeping his end of the bargain as he always does. And then verse 14, Neither do I make this covenant and this oath with you only, but with those who stand here with us today before Yahweh our God, and also with those who are not here with us today. This means everybody. Because don't forget, verse 11 talks about the foreigners also who were there in the camp. God was establishing a covenant with them. So anybody who entered into this covenant promise with God was part of the children of God. They were going to be protected, just as God had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He would basically adopt anybody into his family that wanted to uphold this covenant. And it was for all the generations of Israel as well. Of course, up until the time where Jesus came and made a new covenant with everybody, which we're actually about to discuss in the book of John coming up pretty soon here, the new covenant. But up until that time, this covenant promise was for anybody who wanted to enter into it and any Israelite that followed it. But then here in verse 16 through 18 to conclude, it says, for you know how we lived in the land of Egypt, how we came through the middle of the nations through which we passed. We've seen their abominations and their idols of wood, stone, silver, and gold, which were among them. Then it says, lest there should be 
among you a man, woman, or family, or tribe, whose heart turns away today from Yahweh, our God, to serve the gods of those nations, lest there be among you a root that produces bitter poison. And that's where I ended uh, reading today. But one person that goes and follows these other gods that are just fake, that person is a root of bitter poison. I'm actually just beginning to like sprout my little seeds. I actually started indoor seeds this year. We'll see how it goes. They take root and they begin to germinate and the little seedlings start coming up. Now, if one of them produced a root of bitter poison, it would spread to like my entire container of seeds and seedlings that I have in there. And then it would destroy all of them. That's kind of, I think, what God is trying to say here is that one person has the power to corrupt. One person can ruin it for everybody. (laughs) I remember in high school, I used to get so mad because one person would do something so stupid and the rest of us would get punished. Like everybody would be punished because some idiot student was doing something stupid and we'd all be punished. But that's kind of how it goes. Like one person does something stupid it like spreads and corrupts and other people have to like deal with the consequences of it. It's just bad. So God is warning against this and using very strong and harsh language. Those people are a root that produces bitter poison. So even though sin spreads and even though sin is very corrupt, we Christians have a responsibility ourselves to not allow it to corrupt us And also to spread the truth. We have that responsibility. And it's not just that responsibility, but even praying. Praying for our nations is huge. Once again, when I was reading through the book of Amos, Amos was given these visions of things that might happen to Israel that God was going to do. And Amos was like distraught over them. And he's like, God, don't do this because uh, Israel is very small. We will be totally destroyed if if this happens. And God didn't end up doing them because Amos prayed. One man prayed and God did not do it. Same with Moses. Like we see Moses was the only person praying for Israel when they kept worshiping other gods, but God didn't destroy Israel. So prayer is very important. And it's very funny because that theme keeps coming up in my life recently, keeps coming up just with things that I'm reading. Even even today, I read the book of Daniel and I saw the verse where it says Daniel prayed and humbled himself before God and then God revealed the visions to Daniel. And funny enough, my mom also wrote a blog post this weekend, which I published about prayer and why prayer is so important and how we have a connection to God through prayer. So prayer is extremely important. It's, it's important to root ourselves in truth, the truth of the Bible, the truth of God, but it's also very important to just have that connection with God and to pray for people that you know and to pray for your nation and just to pray because prayer is extremely, extremely powerful. 
Hey, for listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it and that you thought about it a little bit. And also, if you'd like to support the podcast, don't forget to check out the merch page and potentially buy yourself a t-shirt or a Bible Explained bumper sticker or go over to the giveaway page and try to win one for yourself. Faithful listeners, have a fantastic rest of your Monday. I will see you tomorrow for an episode out of John. And until then, and as usual, happy listening and God bless.